This is Deserter. The podcast that says, why live in the fast lane when you can live in the bus lane? Or indeed, why go by road at all when you can go by water? Yes, good point, because in this episode we've got uh, a man coming in who swapped a South London flat share for a life on the water. That's right, and uh, if you find yourself running around in ever-decreasing circles, mistaking dizziness for happiness, then you may benefit from another visit to Deserter School. Be nice to hear that old school song again, won't it? Yes, of course. And we've got a lovely moment of silence during which we can mm. recenter ourselves and maybe have another bag of crisps. <laughs> Hope so. Okay, we've got books, brainstorms, bags of booze. Plus the news, the corporate deserter, and some social media magic. Not to mention a quite hideous update from Spider's Travels. Oh, God, I wish you hadn't mentioned it. <laughs> Here we are, then. A glass of ice... Oh, my God. That's a little... That's because of Spider's Travels. That's a little clues to uh, yeah. Spider's entry. A glass of arsed Chardonnay. Here we are, then. A glass of iced Chardonnay in hand as we cling to summer. Deadly on the controls. Yes. Cheers, gentlemen. Good luck. Good luck. Do a good show, yeah? So, what have we been up to? Well, we've been on a whistle-stop promotional tour of our book, Today, oh. South London, Tomorrow, yes, sir, South London. Yes. Um, one venue. One venue, <laughs> yeah. A pub in Brixton, the Hootenanny. Yeah, we did Brixton Book Jam again. I thought we, I thought we got away, got away with it. Got away with it, yes. <laughs> with all those proper writers. Uh, yeah, we did some readings from the book. Uh, it was nice to go back to Book Jam, wasn't it? Because um, last time we were there, we know that a lot of the uh, punters subsequently pledged for our book. Yeah. It was yeah. really nice to say thank you to them, because, of course, in many ways, they are the heroes of our enterprise, aren't they? Of course. Although they didn't have to stay indoors all summer writing the fucking thing, did they, come to think of it? So yeah. think about that for a bit. <laughs> think about what you've done. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great event, uh, Brixton Book Jam. It's a quarterly um, literary meeting in a pub. Uh, mm. So, you know, uh, it's great if you if you like reading. Uh, you just can't be bothered to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you just sit there with a pint and people read their books to you. Um uh, we also had uh, went for a brainstorm, didn't we? A, a vlog brainstorm. Yeah, most unlike us, really. I know it says on this sheet, "vlog brainstorm." It's like these. What do these words mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, we uh, 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 educational outfit got in touch with us. Go create mm. got in touch with us, and they read some research about um, you know, like you, you, you've learned a bit of French at school, but you think you don't really speak French. But mm. after a couple of pints, your French gets much better. And oui. they we may we, and they were wondering, you know, where's the sweet pot spot? Is it uh, is it is it two pints? Is mm. it four pints? Or could it be eighteen pints? Yeah. And um, they decided to um, this would be a good subject for a vlog. Uh, all it needed was some hosts. Yes. And they booze advocates. They thought of us for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so o- over a couple of pints, we. Went and had a brainstorm with him. Yeah, had loads of loads of ideas after a couple of parts. Yeah, yeah, just idea. like just like language. Yes, exactly. And um, your evening took a left turn after that, didn't it? I? I, I left to rush home and write up the meeting notes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. You went at a quite a sensible time, and yeah, I mean, I stayed for a couple more after that, and uh, I remember, you know, at the end of that, I don't know what number pint it was, we were all looking a little bit wobbly and mm. it's time for us to go isn't it and we all agreed and yeah. 
jumped on the tube but i had to go via uh, london bridge and um i stupidly thought you know what i could, I could just have one more <laughs> <laughs> so i popped into a pub there and um I got sort of adopted by a couple of uh, young lads in the pub who uh, bought me another pint, and then, uh, 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 <laughs> and then uh, insisted I come back to their flat and smoke some of their homegrown. <laughs> How old were these young gentlemen? Oh, I don't know. In the of 20s, legal age, in their twenties, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course it was very, very strong homegrown, especially mm. when you've been on it all art day. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I wasn't really in a, a position to restrain myself. I just, you know, had a few good few tokes, and you know how you can kind of zone out sometimes yes. when you when you you're smoking weed. And I, I did that. I wasn't entirely present. And when I came to, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite know where I was, who I was with, how I got there, any of this stuff. <laughs> And I said to these lads, um, this bar looks like somebody's home. <laughs> anyway, they helped me out the door in the end. And <laughs> I think it's time to leave, Mr. Sal. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I don't know who they were, but thank you very much for looking after me. Obviously, I don't, don't recall your names or yeah, where an- you live. Anonymity is yeah, guaranteed. sealed, yeah, forever yeah. Uh, due to your memory. Excellent. Good night. I mean, that's what I call a brainstorm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, put an article up on dessert a couple of weeks ago called The Bamboozlers, mm-hmm. um, which it might be worth talking about. This was um, an article about how to sneak booze past security at events. You know, so uh, maybe the queues are too long or it's just very expensive or often you're not even allowed to take booze in the, to a festival or something like that, are you? Yeah, it's a kind of public service. Uh, it was important journalism, I yeah. thought. Someone was very impressed with it. And it's gone uh, gone global. I think it's going to be on in Slate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my mate Miles was uh, you know, idly looking at something on uh, the train the other day, and he came across the booze brella on Amazon. Um, it looks and feels like a real umbrella, but inside, you know, the handle unscrews to reveal a flask that contains 390 milligrams, millilitres of whatever you want, basically. Mm. Um, and, you know, you know what it's like on Amazon. Once you've found something, it'll say, you might be interested in this. Yeah. <laughs> so we kept scrolling. And the next thing up was barnoculars, um, a pair of binoculars, which doubles <laughs> as a bar. Uh, two separate chambers. Um, you unscrew the eyepieces and pour in <laughs> your booze perfect we thought for the opera race meetings or the slimbridge wetland center <laughs> the next one up was the bev brush this was a hairbrush that the handle unscrewed and you could pour your vodka in um good often the best part of these things was the reviews the reviews for bev brush made us laugh one was uh, from joe got through security without a problem just add a bit of hair for authenticity <laughs> <laughs> And Starman reported, brilliant, was a p- Christmas present for my alcoholic girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> One of our favourites was the tie flask, which was, it looks like a normal tie, but in fact it's filled with booze. <laughs> and um, we thought it was perfect for, you know, making new friends in business meetings. As in, do you want to suck my tie? <laughs> Daniel's review of this was, uh, nice tie. <laughs> <laughs> could bring back the kipper couldn't it <laughs> yes and um finally uh we enjoyed the tampon tubes um <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, obviously, tampons should be free, like toilet paper, but they're not. So, um, you know, women are forced to carry them around in their bags for emergencies. Or are they? <laughs> no. These ones are filled with booze. Up yours, patriarchy. Um, yeah, the, uh, what it said on their website was, this is the untouchable. Guys won't even look at a tampon, much less handle it at security. You're good to go. It's inspired. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I enjoyed the review of this. This is by someone called Amazon user. <laughs> I put them in my purse before going into the show and there was no issue at all. I did get some weird looks drinking from them, though. <laughs> so that's the bamboozlers on deserter.co.uk. You mm. did a piece as well, didn't you? Vinny on the Ginny. Vinny on the Ginny, yes. I, I did a piece on gin. Uh, it was partly inspired by the Catford Gin Festival that kicks off this weekend, uh, the 5th oh, yeah. of October, uh, in the Broadway Theatre. Um, and, yeah, it's been a real revival uh, in gin in the last few years, hasn't mm. there? Um, lots of uh, new distillers. A bit like the, the craft brewing, brewing revolution. Mm. Uh, there was a change in laws, and then people will be able to make small batches of it. Mm. And, um, mm. and so there's, there's you know, know that, yeah. loads of them now, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, in, in looking at that article, uh, I was reading about the London gin craze, which in the mm. 1700s, when... Yeah, uh, gin was you know the, the the feature of the first war on drugs. Mm. You know, there were loads of laws. people only remember the bad things about it, don't they? They do. They, well, there's there, sadly they're the only things that uh, have made it through history. You know, mm. all the kind of tales of uh, people selling their clothes to get another, mm. <laughs> another shot of gin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doubtless there were lots of people like us who just you know got happy on it. You know. Yeah, but, absolutely. Had some great ideas. Yeah, right. sure. You're going to lose your trousers once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean everybody should suffer? <laughs> but for the first time, for a lot of people, a lot of poor people who lived in really squalid conditions, they could escape the, the, that by mm. getting out of the fucking tree. Yeah, you know? yeah. Of uh, course, there are some lovely uh, gin distilleries in South London as well. Yes, uh, you uh, uh, mentioned um, a few of those, didn't you? Yeah, um, Jensen's in Bermondsey, and also. Um, uh, little Bird is in Peckham Rye Station, isn't it? And they're mm. open on Saturdays. I went to their little uh, bar, which is on Rope Walk in uh, Little Maltby Street. Mm. And, uh, yeah, had a, a perfect G&T. They call it a perfect G&T. Mm. It, mm. it probably is. Mm. Um, was it, was it, were, they, were they able to sort of have the gins au naturel, like on rocks or something? I didn't is it ask, that, sort of that, that quality? Um, or do you have to have it with a mixer? I didn't ask that, actually. I probably should have done, because I've had Jensen's on its own before. Presumably Spider didn't have any tonic, so we had it neat with some ice. And it was delicious. It was, mm. it was delicious mm. enough to, to drink neat. And yeah. I, that's got to be the sign of a good gin, hasn't it? I guess so, yeah. I mean, my thing with gin is I'm not sure I can tell the difference. Once you put the tonic in, I'm not sure I can tell if one you know is like £7 a shot or mm. £3 a shot. Um, yeah, I don't know. It made me happy. That's all I know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. Still got your trousers. Yeah. They are around So we have a guest with us today from the high seas. Yeah, Cyclodunk. Welcome. Thanks, lads. Thank you. Um, so th- for those of you who remember a post I did about a month ago on Deserter about messing about on the canal, uh, it was Cyclodunk's boat, wasn't it? That, mm. um, had Half-life been taken had borrowed. <laughs> without your yeah. permission, we yeah. now knew, as I kind of knew at the time, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome, um, Psycho Dunk. We, we also know as Boto Dunk, I mm-hmm. think, aren't you, for obvious reasons? That's right. And yeah. uh, Photo Dunk, is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Photography work Photography. with Dulwich Hamlet, yeah, yeah. And uh, Psycho Dunk? Where does that one come from? 
<laughs> I'm looking... going to rip your head off. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. For obvious reasons. <laughs> it's twisted. It was lovely to have you all here anyway. <laughs> Should we cut here? Oh, no, don't say cut. <laughs> Take that knife away from him. Um, no, it's lovely to have you here. Um, and one of the reasons that we thought we'd get you on, because I think I'm right in saying, is you swapped renting in Forest Hill yeah. for a life on the water. Correct. Yeah, nearly yeah. two years ago now. Wow. Mm. Any yeah. any um, regrets or? Uh... <laughs> uh, my biggest regret is is now living somewhere which doesn't have a nice bath. Oh. That's, that's, that's our regret as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to go and visit my brother a lot. I see. To, to for the with the sort of proviso of getting there and saying, "Oh, can I have a bath, please?" You're right. <laughs> Uh, do you have a shower? I do. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. not, not that <laughs> oh, well, That's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. But you know, it's those little little creature comforts that you kind yes. of do begin to miss sometimes. Um, when I was aboard, I noted you had a Thetford Porta Potty three three five. Yeah, I think, I think it was a three three five, or yeah. was it three one two? I can imagine, uh, as I think you've mentioned before, that that's possibly another drawback of yeah. boat life is the yeah. is the end, end, the end of day slopping out as it were <laughs> yeah luckily I, I live on a mooring so I'm okay. technically I'm still paying some form of rent yes of course um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, opposite me is a place where I can empty my uh, toilet nevertheless I mean personally speaking when I've expunged and flushed uh, I'm really quite happy never to see that again mm. yeah <laughs> we all are yeah uh, so there's a couple, a couple of things uh, that may be uh, the downsides of living on the boat. What about yeah. the uh, more positive? Tell us about the rent. I mean, is, uh, is, is it much it reduced? It's, yeah. it's reduced a lot. Yeah. 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 And okay. uh, um, I pay a licence every year to be on mm. the water. Mm. And for that also you have to have insurance on the boat to get the licence. So that's kind of the big outlay most of, um, for, the, for the year. And then the rent is quite cheap. I'm told mm. for a central, quite a central London mooring. Yes. It is kind of a Hackney Wick way. Yes. Um, so, you know, I am close to the city. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. So I'm paying much less in, in what I used to be paying for rent. Yeah. 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 So it's it, an escape from the rental market mm. and uh, a very slow escape as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's, and I can always, if I want, I can always give the mooring up and then become a cruiser. Yeah, oh, so that involves yeah, yeah, you, you have to move every fortnight. On every thing. fortnight, and it's a bit of a. Um, a the, no one knows exactly how far you have to go. They mm, say mm. it's a kilometre or mm, something like mm, that. And they, mm. there's the, there's all these maps that are out mm. there where you can see, oh, where do I need to get to? But um, it's not too far. It's mm, not too far. Mm. So the, the rule is that you, you'd have to move every 14 days or something. Yeah. A minimum of a kilometre or something, something like that. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, and if you have a problem with your engine, then you can just let the, the authorities know or something okay. like that. And they'll yeah. say, okay, stay there for a bit longer. So uh, who polices this? Who measures the kilometre? The Canal and River Trust. Mm. It used to be the British Waterways Trust, I think. And they changed it. I think um, they, became, they had to become a charity. Okay. And uh, yeah, so they're the people who are in charge. And they run all the, all the uh, locks and the toilet points and the... The facilities that boaters use, hmm. um, and how do you find the houseboat community? Uh... Um, I've personally never met a boater that's an arsehole. So well, generally, they're all really nice. Yeah, it's good. sort of a massive kind of massive community when you think about it. There's 
there's thousands of boats. Mm. On yeah, yeah. It's on the increase, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because uh, I've always thought, well, just from the the, the houseboat people I've met, that there's been a lot of characters. Yeah, <laughs> there are there are some strange people. Like whenever I think my boat might not be in good nick, I just have to look out my window and see a couple go by. Mm. And right. I think, oh my god, that's <laughs> that's just a shed on a on a. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. a couple of bits of metal that's somehow floating. Wow. Well, um, so you feel a bit better. Yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw uh, uh, yeah, basically a pleasure cruiser with a shed nailed on the back, didn't we, when we were going along. Uh, uh, Half-Life told me that Sammy Lee lived in it as his holiday home. <laughs> <laughs> the Sammy Lee. The Sammy Lee. The Sammy Lee. Yeah. Oi, Sammy, you fat bastard, shouted. <laughs> As we passed it. I saw one when I was recently out on a on a trip. I saw one boat which someone had um, welded a Volkswagen Touareg on <laughs> as a as the cabin, sort of the the steering the wheelhouse kind of thing. Wow. It had like proper like everything like still in it, like the proper car seats, <laughs> steering wheel, and a white VW. Was, I was that was a bit. Oh, odd. cracking! So, yeah. Again, a character. Yeah, yeah. So do you see yourself staying on there for um, the meantime? Um, I go through stages of thinking, yeah, I could do this for longer. And then other stages where, like the other day, where I had to empty my toilet first thing in the morning. And it wasn't nice. I thought, oh, I'll just, this would be, I didn't, I don't have to do this. Why why am I doing this? Yeah. But I did it because a friend of mine was selling the boat. And at the right time when my contract in Forestry was going up, and I thought, I've always sort of been on canal boat holidays with my, my family, mm, and mm. I, I knew I know quite a few boaters through other like through my choir and stuff like mm, that. Mm. Um, and it's everything sort of seemed to come at, come at the same the right time. Mm. And uh, I thought, well, YOLO, and mm. uh, decided to just <laughs> spend a lot of money on something which I wasn't <laughs> quite sure about. Are so. you uh, gifted mechanically, as it were? Um, <laughs> not at all. No. no. I, I, I've been on a few courses, so I know what to look for, what's wrong, mm. but it's just fixing it is the issue, isn't it? Yes. Mm. You can spot a problem and you go, yeah. oh, I don't know. So yeah. there's been a few problems with the engine, which I, you know, I think these engines, there's always something going wrong with the boat. And that's like kind of one of the things you accept as a boat. Right. Okay. Yeah. It could be the engine. It could be the, I've got very leaky windows, Vinny. It's mm. terrible. Mm. Every time it rains, I'm thinking, where's it going to come from next? Mm. Um, mm. And it's difficult to fix things like that because, like, when it's pissing it down, trying you don't to find want to go leak. outside. No, <laughs> and it's like water's everywhere. So where is the leak? So things mm. like that, I'm I'm not great at. Um, but it hasn't sunk. It hasn't sunk. No, <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. Mrs. Chippy still floats. And also, <laughs> lest we forget, I mean, it's absolutely amazing taking it for a spin. Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. yeah, thoroughly enjoyable day out. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for coming in. Oh, it's been yeah. great to. Chat my, with you. My pleasure. Nice uh, to meet you, Dan. Nice to meet you, <laughs> all of you. Um, we're just going to uh, do an audience warning um, for Spider's letter from the world, yes, aren't we? I think because we um, as we've alluded to, there's some scatological information yeah. in this piece, which you may not all readers, listeners will be comfortable with. I'm beginning to wonder if the segment wouldn't be better named "Letter from My Ass." Yeah. <laughs> And anyway, um, for better or for worse, worse, over <laughs> to Spider. Every woman, every man, every boy and every girl Take a seat, it's drunk or Spider's letter
It started with a shit. I never thought that it would come to this. You will remember, dull and dirty, that two weeks ago, during my bon voyage party on the South Bank, I disappeared for some time for a crap. I disrespected it and pushed, causing a rectal fissure. The next day, my flight to Canada was plagued with discomfort. At arrivals in Toronto, I found a restroom, and not without considerable pain, I managed a small movement and inspected the paper. On it, there was a blueberry I didn't remember eating. What the fuck? Closer inspection revealed the berry to be a pouch of semi-congealed blood. A detached hemorrhoid. I checked the bit of my trousers between my ankles. Oh my fucking God, what the fuck? There in my stride, staring back at me, was the Canadian flag. A pair of scarlet socks astride a red maple leaf that was blotched into my trouser gusset. It had bled right through to the other side. I can only imagine how it had looked to all those people stood behind me as they waited for their turn at passport control. My twice daily routine thus far in Canada has been thoroughly to cleanse the area, push back my piles into my rectum, insert a suppository, tape up my bumhole with lint pads and place a panty pad into the gusset of my newly purchased undersmackers. The exchange of freedom for the reassurance of safety is as unpalatable to me as the Patriot Act. However, the Canadian flag, which is everywhere in Canada, remains a constant reminder that there is a place in this world for underpants. Drunkle Spider, Toronto. Every boy and every girl Take a seat, it's drunk or spider's letter from the world Open up our innocent eyes And help us realize To become one of the wise Let's must be a fool Productively Good afternoon, students. Welcome to the second Deserter Diploma Lecture. In a moment, the central tenets of deserterism. But first, some housekeeping. I'm pleased to say that the new daybeds available in the common room have proved exceptionally popular. A reminder that while the weather lasts, hammocks are also available in the far field, just beyond the crazy golf course next to the chip van. And now our Head of Philosophy, Dulwich Raider, MA, BHS, RAC. Thank you, Dean. And may I say what an absolute fucking pleasure it is to be back in Camberwell for another year. Here, within these walls, you will be given the means by which to take control of your destiny, to step away from the stress and chaos of modernity, and to elevate your souls. Our souls, I hear you say, are they not merely a construct of lazy thinking? Well, may I remind you that to be lazy is to be smart. The genius will separate the important work from the hard work, and the deserter moves instinctively away from hard work and towards the buffet. 
Come on in, Rogers. And you, Foldsworth, find a seat and sit down. You're late. Well done. But what sort of person is this deserter? And what is the philosophical basis upon which our lives are lived? The deserter is not part of the herd, is different to the crowd. You might even say, willfully abstruse or contrary. We are leaders, not followers, unless we are told to be leaders, at which point our only desire is to follow. We don't take no for an answer, nor indeed yes. Often we are unable to recall the question. They, we, are free. Independent in thought and deed, the deserter is the one who, while you're squeezing onto a train to work, is on the other platform boarding an empty train marked Brighton or Kempton Park Races Special, or indeed any train that is going the other way. Confronted by a sign saying, turn left, for example, the deserter will be overwhelmed by the urge to immediately turn right or possibly turn back or at the very least, stand stock still and light up a fat one. From what are we deserting, you may ask? Well, work, perhaps, or the rat race in general, society maybe, but certainly that which is expected of us. Some characterise the deserter as a rule-breaker, not the big rules like thou shalt not kill or buy your round, but certainly the rule that states you must work diligently for 50 years, accept meagre wages and be unhappy. The relentless pursuit of money will, for the successful student, simply be too expensive. Time is the currency of the deserter. Time, curiosity, play and, of course, pleasure. Enough of discipline and the towing of the line. Enough deferral and denial. Enough salad and sparkling water. For crying out loud, we seem to be saying, pass the sausages. There may, of course, be those amongst you who will disapprove of our philosophy on our insistence on wresting back control of our fleeting lives from the pointless strictures of endless production, on our call for freedom and benefits for all, well, it's possible this course is not for you, although I have been asked to make it clear that we are unable to process refunds at this time. Next time, leisure. Getting the balance right between having fun and simply relaxing. Plus the role of the sofa throughout history. Did you uh, learn anything from that? Uh, about what? Well... About deserterism. You weren't, you weren't listening, were you? looking out the window again, oh, weren't you? Oh, like at school. Just like school, yeah. <laughs> and now, the news. 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 <laughs> Is there any news? Um, I've got some pub and beer news. Yeah. Dulwich Beer Dispensary, which we mentioned last time, um, is opening this Thursday. Could be today, depending on... <laughs> The date. When we get this up. Yep. <laughs> when we get this up. Anyway, what's the date today? I can't remember. It opens tomorrow. The 6th. It opens on the 6th. Is that correct? No, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. The 4th. It opens. opens on the 4th. Opens on the 4th. Anyway, it's open. It's open It's now. open. It's open. Get yeah, down Which there. is good news. Yeah, it's in that little dead stretch between Forest Hill and Lordship Lane proper. 
mm-hmm. uh, where the South Circular meets Lordship Lane. Yeah. Run by um, Southey Brewing again. Excellent. It, it will be excellent. I'm absolutely certain of it. And um, I'll be going down there later. <laughs> and uh, the other news associated with that is that our beer deserter ipa is coming back isn't it it is we're brewing on monday we're brewing on monday we're going to work yeah if there's any way you know any way of making you know the horror of monday's better it's to go to work in a brewery isn't it surely yeah <laughs> so hopefully that will be available at the dulwich beer dispensary and the london beer dispensary probably yeah. the brighton beer dispensary too. i should hope so. Well, yeah, so um certainly at our book launch certainly as our book launch which will be at the Dulwich Beer Dispensary. This is all, this news is all coagulating into one single item. Yes. It's like we've only got one bit of news. <laughs> <laughs> keep stretching, keep stretching. And the, when will that be, Raider? Um, our book launch is going to be on the 1st of November, okay. Thursday, the 1st of November. I, I, I'm only hesitating because um, we haven't, it hasn't been published yet. So we really do hope it is published before the book launch. Um, but yeah, it's going to be 1st of November, the evening of Thursday at the Dulwich Beer Dispensary. And you're all invited. Come along. Yeah. Hey. Not you, Deadly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some editing, editing. for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not all work. <laughs> um, in other pub news... Um, the Admiral Hardy in Greenwich, someone uh, was pleased to see a sign's gone up in the window saying that's going to be reopening as something like a pub. Good. That is good news. Yeah, because it's been closed for a little while, hasn't mm. it? Likewise, uh, the Cutty... Not likewise, no. but also in Greenwich. Mm. The Cutty Sark on the river has um, been threatened with having to close their riverside terrace what? early due to uh, a few complaints they've received from locals. How, how old is the pub? Well, it's a hundred years. It's not. It's hundred years younger than the first claim. Do you remember? Yes. Uh, it, first of all, it had built sixteen ninety five. But when Georgian House, yeah, Georgian yeah, free house. But when Osman lived there, he thought this something's not right about this. So uh, he looked it up, and it was built in seventeen ninety five. He complained, and they changed the sign. <laughs> that's that's a corporate deserter for you. Yeah. Very serious. Yeah. Um, so if you bought a house before seventeen ninety five, yeah, there, we'd have so some. You've got sympathy. a very good point. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you've been living. You know, if you've been living with the noise for four hundred years, mm, then we yeah, we understand yeah. why you've been. Uh, you might want to close down, but the, yeah, in, in all likelihood, you, you've just bought a flat there and realised you don't like the, the noise from the pub, which is yeah. half the reason you bought the flat there in the first place. Yeah, and ironically, Idiot. a lot of those new flats there were on the site of a pub that was demolished to make oh. room for them. The oh. British sailor was uh, British sailor, right? Yeah, uh, was right there. Right. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. What, next door to it? or uh... Just around the corner, uh-huh. yeah, where those those newer flats are. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's uh, the same everywhere, isn't it? People buying flats near pubs and then uh, not liking the noise from the pub that was there hundreds of years before they even... So not people living on barges, like your guest? No. Yeah, so unless you, unless you bought it before 1795, fuck you. Okay, uh, you, you wanted to mention uh, a new bar in Campbell, didn't you? Yeah, and Spack and Hop Day, uh, opening a bar called The Pigeon, uh, where, was it PS Cycles was? Cycle PS, Cycle yeah. Cycle PS. Yeah. Uh, sorry to see them go. Um, if they've but gone. If they've gone, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, having a, a lovely little tap room in Campbell, I like mm. that. It's, it's, more, it's just all good news, isn't it? Good night for London Pub as well. What, The Pigeon? Yeah. 
Well, in a, in a way, I had yeah. two thoughts about that. First of all, there's a cafe around the corner called the Pigeon Hole. Mm. So they're going to get each other's mail. Why? Maybe they just maybe they've never been around the corner. Maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> just have a look around the corner. Yeah, there's already one there called the Pigeon. And there's also the Campbell Shark is that going to? Uh, and the Campbell Shark uh, is uh, a micropub that's uh, hoping to open there later this year. Um, which is going to make Camberwell a bit of a ale destination. Yeah, with the storm my, my first thought was, was was concerned for the shark guys, but I think you're right. It'll make it a proper beer destination, along with the Stormbird, the Bear when it reopens, Hermit's Cave. Yeah. We had a throwback Thursday, didn't we, about micropubs yeah. recently? And there was, um, and we had the scores from. You know, it was the score was South London twenty, mm. North London one. Yes, that's right. So we're winning in micropubs. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're full, so you can't come and live here. Uh, you can, <laughs> you're allowed to visit. We can't stop that due to, uh, what was it, the law. <laughs> but we are actually full. Thanks and everything. Um, very briefly, there was a bit of uh, kerfuffle around the Ivor House in Nunhead, wasn't there? Yeah. We don't know much about it, um, but... Uh, there was a couple of flash strikes and it was shut on a couple of occasions due to the staff striking for better contracts, non-zero yeah, no hour contracts hours, and yeah. um, the reinstatement of some uh, colleagues who'd been uh, fired. And we're pleased to say that has all been settled amicably right. and get back to the ale. Mm. Um, in non-pub news, if I can sadly move away from it, um, did you see that the first... Of the three Woolwich ferries has gone. They're all about yes. to be replaced. But yeah, oh, this, this Sunday, I think, is the last day. Is it? Of, of all of them? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be closed for a while while they redo the piers and oh. um, get the new boats. Right. And is there any truth in the rumour that the new boats have three bars, a casino and a ballroom? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, you would for a three-minute journey yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay on go back and forth <laughs> yeah well that's what they used to do as a kid i mean that was yeah. the village ferry was a playground for that's uh, right it was babysitting for your parents <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> yeah i don't think they'll have a bar on the new ones but uh, uh-huh. yeah it's it's still it's a hip flask cruise you know well there we go take your booze brella yeah bag of cans more non-booze uh uh, news. If uh, we must. Well, actually, it does end up in a pub, if, if you think about it. Mr Bingo, are you familiar with Mr Bingo, the artist, speaker and twat, as he calls himself? <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> he had um, a, a great book out a few a few years ago that he crowdsourced called Hate Mail, where um, he would draw you a bespoke postcard and send it to you oh, with yes, a terrible that's, insult. That's right. And, <laughs> And people paid quite a lot of money. Massively successful. Yeah, wasn't massively it? Yeah. successful. Yeah, and he yeah. raised loads of money and and then created a book out of it. Right. He, he also um, does an advent calendar. He did one last year, and he's doing one this year, uh, where he has drawn the uh, punters from uh, the Five Bells in New Cross. Mm, go on. Uh, and in you know, and it's a, it's a pub scene. You know, there's yeah. a fight and there's people drinking and oh. dogs eat, drink, you know, drinking water and stuff. Um, uh, but it's uh, you, you scratch the uh, their clothes off with a ten p piece to reveal <laughs> to reveal they're they're fat and naked. Oh my One God. a day. There's no chocolates. Um, uh, Put I mean, up your chocolates. Unfortunately, timing wise, uh, we're going to miss him selling it in the Five Bells oh, with, with yeah. some of those punters yeah. uh, tonight. But it will be available on his online supermarket. 
Oh. Uh, if you uh, just Google Mr. Bingo. Mr. Bingo, bloody hell. Um, did you see that Brian Eno has banned water bottles <laughs> at concerts I th- I due, think- due to vodka being snuck in by... <laughs> Concert goers. I think you'll find that's the English National Opera, Eno. No, it says Brian Eno here on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that the the, uh, the Eno has, yeah. has has banned water, which I put down to my sister actually because she's always is she she's always doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're again we're back to the bamboozlers, aren't we? Take in your bev brush. Yeah. You know. Suck my tie. Suck my tie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is ridiculous, and it's all part of this war on the drug-using middle classes that uh, is being peddled at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm very disappointed in Brian, though. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, hang on. What's that? What's that noise? Jesus, where's it's, the sunlight he, gone? He's coming. He's coming. Scatter. I am the corporate deserter. I earn a six-figure salary, and I do fuck all. Covering the theory and practice of gamesmanship by Stephen Potter, one of your favourites. One of my favourites, yeah. Um, first published in 1947. I was quite surprised to read. Actually, I thought it might be a bit later. It is essentially a comedy of manners, um, styled as a parody of a self-help book. It's like an early form of banter or bants as we mm. call it now. Do you? Uh, and later it was made into a film and uh, in the 70s a TV series. And it introduced the word gamesmanship into the English language. Right, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and gamesmanship, in the author's own words, is the art of winning games without actually cheating. Um, I, it works for me on a lot of levels, but particularly like, like it, that, that it's flying in the face of austerity. 
It's fr- frivolities, anyway, because it was just published after the war, so it must have been quite a grim time. Mm. And for most people, pissing about playing games was only a pipe dream, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I like it for its peculiar Englishness and, of course, for its honed, very economic writing style. Yeah, I mean, it's quite deadpan, isn't it? I mean, Very, yeah. yeah. He, he's ri- he'd written a couple of uh, serious uh, uh, bits of literary criticism, and he brings his sort of academic Mm. bearing to it yeah Um, uh, the birth of gamesmanship for Potter um, he writes near the beginning was when he and his tennis playing partner Jode had the misfortune to play two excellent younger tennis players from University College Um, so I'll just read a little bit here he says um, we will call them Smith and Brown this is the, the the particularly tall and athletic young men that they were up against. We'll call them Smith and Brown. The knock-up showed that, so far as play was concerned, Joe and and I, playing for Birkbeck, had no chance. University College won the toss. It was Smith's service, and he cracked down a cannibal to Joe, which moved so fast that Joe, while making some effort to suggest by his attitude that he had (laughs) thought the ball was going to be a fault, (laughs) nevertheless was unable to get near it with his racket. Score, 15 love. Service to me. I had had time to gauge the speed of this serve, and the next one did, in fact, graze the edge of my racket. 30 love. <laughs> now Smith was serving again to Jode, who this time, as the ball came straight towards him, was able, by grasping the racket firmly with both hands, to receive the ball on the strings, whereupon the ball shot back to the other side and volleyed into the stop netting near the ground behind Brown's feet. <laughs> now here comes a moment on which not only this match, but so much of the future of British sport was to turn. <laughs> Score, 40 love. Jode walks to the net. Kindly say clearly, please, whether the ball was in or out. (laughs) (laughs) Crew to our ears, perhaps a Stone Age implement, but beautifully accurate accurate gamesmanship for 1931. For the student must realise that these two young men were both in the highest degree charming, well-mannered young men, perfect in their sportsmanship and behaviour. Smith stopped dead. I'm so sorry. I thought it was out. The ball, let us remember, had hit the back netting 12 feet behind him before (laughs) touching the ground. (laughs) But what did you think, Brown? Brown, I thought it was out, but do let's have it again. Jode, no, I don't want to have it again. I only want you to say clearly, if you will, whether the ball is in or out. (laughs) There is nothing more putting off to young university players than a slight suggestion that their etiquette or sportsmanship is in question. Smith sent a double fault to me, another double fault to Jode. He did not get in another ace service till halfway through the third set of a match, which, incidentally, we won. <laughs> it's fantastic, yeah. It's, um, it's such a sort of undetectable dissing, isn't it? Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah it's undetectable dissing, that's very nicely put. You're, um, um, you're, constantly, you're constantly agreeing with your opponent and almost encouraging them. Yes. Well. He also considers the... Uh, the balance of sportsmanship and gamesmanship, which I think is important to, to mention, gamesmanship should never become bad sportsmanship, of mm. course, but it can still give you the edge. So in tennis, for example, uh, he suggests ploys such as shouting, good shot, very loudly at each of your opponent's winners. <laughs> <laughs> 
or consistently getting the score wrong in your opponent's favour. In golf on this subject, he notes that spending ridiculously long time searching for your own lost ball is bad sportsmanship. But spending an absurdly long time looking for your opponent's ball is excellent gamesmanship. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite bits is the passage on chess, though. Um, in this gambit, Potter sacrifices the victory for something even greater. The prime object of gamesmanship in chess, he writes, must be at whatever sacrifice to build up your reputation. <laughs> for example, Potter's opening. Turn to the appropriate page. Potter's opening. This is supposed now to be the name of an effective opening, simple to play and easy to remember, which I've invented for use against a more experienced player who is absolutely certain to win. It consists of making three moves at random and then resigning. <laughs> the dialogue goes as follows. You. Good. Excellent. Your opponent has just made his third move. I must resign, of course. Your opponent, <laughs> resign? You. Well, you're bound to take my bishop after 16 moves, unless... And even then I lose my castle three moves later. Opponent. Oh, yes. <laughs> Self. Unless you sacrifice there, which of course you wouldn't, would you? Opponent. No. You. Nice game. Opponent. Yes. You. Pretty situation. Very pretty situation. Do you mind if I make a note of it? The Chess News usually publishes any stuff I send them. <laughs> <laughs> it is no exaggeration to say that this gambit, boldly carried out against the expert, heightens the reputation of the games more effectively than the most courageous attempt to fight a losing battle. I, I like the way he confuses his opponents and mm. uh, uh, before enraging them in the end. But also um, the footnotes. There's all, the, mm. There are lots of footnotes, and he, he uses them as a, yeah. as a comedy device throughout. Yeah, they're great, yeah. And the sort of faux scientific diagrams uh, yes. in the book as well yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. after a while you start to think is the game is the joke on me <laughs> <laughs> yes there was something in, in um, one way to confuse your opponent at golf was to he create an illustration in which every muscle of the body is labelled <laughs> and you hand it to your opponent and say here I thought this might help you with your swing <laughs> Anyway, many hours of pleasure with that. Um, Highly recommended. That's The Theory and Practice of Gamesmanship by Stephen Potter. He also went on to write, as some of you may know, Lifemanship, One-Upmanship and Supermanship. And um, they're all basically the same joke. (laughs) (laughs) But what a good one. one. (laughs) While we're in Book Corner, just quickly mention another book I've started. Oh, yes. A Beer in the Loire by mm. Tommy Barnes, um, which is sounding very promising. One family's quest to brew British beer in French wine country. Mm. <laughs> I imagine it's uh, A Beer in the Loire as a play on a year in Provence. But, um, yeah. yeah, the true story of one family's attempt to escape the rat race and start a microbrewery in one of the finest wine-producing regions in the world. <laughs> A very uh, unlikely uh, scenario, but yeah. A noble quest. A noble quest, yeah. Well played. That's Tommy Barnes, A Beer in the Loire. I hope to finish chapter two sometime soon. (laughs) Okay, it's that time where we kick back for a bit with our moment of silence. Um, 
Where are you taking us today, Deadly, with your soundscape magic? Today, we're leaving London and travelling far, far away. <gasps> Seven Oaks? <laughs> 13 billion miles away, to be precise. Australia. <laughs> today, we're on board NASA's Voyager 1, the most oh. distant man-made object from the Earth. Launched more than 40 years ago, it is still sending back all sorts of data and the most incredible sounds. Wowzers. Mm. Let's go. A moment of silence. That was amazing. And that was actually recorded on, on board the space probe, yeah? Uh, yeah. No. I just oh. knocked it up on Garage Band about <laughs> half an hour ago. <laughs> Deadly. He's done us. He's done us up like space kippers. Okay, social media. My favourite bit. Absolutely. Um, first up, your Mr. Men name. Did you see that? It's from the evergreen uh, beta.com. On oh, Twitter. Was it? Yeah. No, I don't think I don't recall that. Yeah, yeah. The way you work out your Mister Men name is to put Mister or Little Miss plus the most negative thing a teacher said about you in a school report. Oh so yes, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I thought you might have heard it because there's an entry from you. Oh yeah. <laughs> your Mister Men name is Mister One Tenth of a Mind, yet thinks he's the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there was a few good ones in that thread. Uh, C. Shepherds was the uh, the deeply hurtful Mr. Who. <laughs> My anchors was Mr. Verbal Diarrhea. And yeah. Andrew Campbell Howes was Mr. Minimum Required. <laughs> um, uh, Alex Phoenix Bates had quite a long one. His was, uh, Mr. This Boy is an Enigma. He has done no work of any substance all year, yet came second in the exam. I have no idea how to teach him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my favourite was Dan Howdles, whose um, Mr. Man name was Mr. Played Conkers, despite the ban. <laughs> <laughs> he had quite a few people offering to pre-order that book. <laughs> Very good. Um, what was yours? I don't know. Mr. Doesn't Try. Mr. Doesn't Listen. I think I had Mr. Must Learn to Curb His Loquacious Tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read that out in oh, case it was off mic. I had Mis- to write Mis- that out a hundred times. Did you? But, yeah. Mr. Must Learn to Curb His Loquacious Tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how right they were. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> um, always carry a potato wrapped in foil to a party, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was uh, Ted Travelstead, also on Twitter, who exhorted that we should always carry a potato wrapped in foil to a party. First of all, it's a conversation starter, as in, have you ever seen a lion's egg? 
It's <laughs> also a conversation avoider, as in, excuse me, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> and also a very good conversation ender. Just got this cyst removed. Feel how heavy. <laughs> uh, always carry a potato wrapped in foil to a party. <laughs> oh, and uh, yes, North London graffiti was one that cropped up um, that I saw uh, Laura Murray could have a picture of some that she, she'd seen. Um, I mean, uh, graffiti, it's a resistance art, isn't it? It gives a mm. voice to the silent and the oppressed yes. and the radical. Yes. And, uh, yeah, she saw some graffiti in Gospel Oak. It said, cut corporation tax. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I saw that. I saw that. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I spotted some more in uh, Holloway. It said, uh, poor people make great cavity insulation. <laughs> Uh, and my favourite from Crouch End, let's regulate markets in the interests of both consumers and producers. Oh, that is good. <laughs> that is very good. Yeah, you need a couple of cans for that one. <laughs> but so, so no micropubs, but great graffiti. Yes. <laughs> well played, the North. Um, James Brown's... Was it, no, no, it's Mike, Michael Rosen on Twitter. Michael Rosen. Oh, yes. Um, he was upset about some of the lies you hear on London Underground. Um he, his particular bugbear was the next station is oval <laughs> <laughs> but it prompted a number of responses leg warmers now um, gets annoyed by this station is whopping when it's tiny <laughs> von Karajan uh, gets annoyed by this station is poplar and there was hardly anyone using it <laughs> um, David Collars was probably my favourite though um, the next station is made of ale. It was ridiculous. There's not even a brewery nearby. <laughs> I've, never, I've, I've never heard. I'd never thought of made of ale being no, made of ale. No, so it was fantastic. I love for it, him. Yeah, you saw one. That, I saw you? one or two. Yeah, yeah. There was one. Somebody said, "Yeah." Uh, well, Johnny Sensebot said, uh, "To be fair, there are truths too. I'm often told to mind the gap, and yes, I have to say, I find much of their range bland and overpriced." <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Owen Gell said. Um, uh, you know, he would hear over the tannoy, we, we will be arriving into London Waterloo around 1951. I was hoping to ca- catch the tail end of the Festival of Britain, but I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, Jane Brownsell's um, edition, which was uh, his mum. My mum told me minotaurs live in the labyrinthine tube tunnels. <laughs> And uh, sure enough, the train driver confirmed it every time they left the station. Please move right down the carriage. Minotaurs. Well, is that possibly all we've got time for? I think it probably is, yeah. Been going on for ages. Yes. <laughs> exhausted. Absolutely. Talking of being exhausted, we've, got, we've still got some shit to do haven't we and next month I'm going to take it off and lie in bed till 4pm yeah good idea um, I'm going to say instead of saying yes to everything I'm offered I'm just mm. going to say no mm. and uh, I was just wondering if there's a month that um, would lend its name to that like sort of November or yeah n- October or something yeah negative ember yeah uh, not 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 ember yeah nick ember yeah <laughs> nah no, no, I can't think of it. <laughs> I can't get it. It's gone. It's gone. Pop.
Is this at the end of this? This could be a reprise of the podcast, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Um, so we've um, Deadly's unearthed what we think is a musical sketch that he wrote in 1921. Um, <laughs> 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 it's called Down the Drain. And it goes, I had 12 bottles of whiskey in my cellar and my wife told me to empty the contents of each and every bottle down the sink or else. So I said I would and proceeded with the unpleasant task. I withdrew the cork from the first bottle and poured the contents down the sink with the exception of one glass, which I drank. I extracted the cork from the second bottle and did likewise with the exception of one glass, which I drank. I pulled the cork from the third bottle and poured the whiskey down the sink with the exception of one glass, which I drank. I then withdrew the cork from the fourth sink and poured the bottle down the glass, (laughs) which I drank. I poured the bottle from the cork of the next and drank one sink out of it and threw the rest down the glass. (laughs) I poured the sink out of the next glass and poured the cork from the bottle. (laughs) Then I corked the sink with the glass, bottled the drink and drank the pour. When I had everything emptied, I steadied the house with one hand, counted the bottles, corks, glasses and sinks with the other, which were 29. (laughs) To make sure I counted them again, they came to 74. (laughs) As the house came by, I counted them again. And And finally, I had all the houses and bottles and corks and sinks and glasses counted, except one house and one cork, which I drank. (laughs) 